I promised Maria, my wife, my wife Maria, to open the show this week with the infamous uh, Devil May Cry voice line uh, filling uh, Dark Souls with light. Uh, but I couldn't think of any context for the for a minute as to as to how to make that work, and she she didn't have any reason for why I should open the show with it. She just said she wanted it. Well, lay it on us. Give it your best shot. Well, I, no, as in I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to insert the. <laughs> I'm going to insert the clip. Oh, I see. Um, I almost got excited for a moment there. Oh, fine, fine. I'll do it myself. It's something like, I should have saved you. I should have been the one to fill your dark soul in line! Good, good. Well done, well done. You got the voice breaking at the end? Perfect. <laughs> That's the key part. <laughs> Dr- Drew Coombs would be proud, no doubt. <laughs> Now, do you have follow-up? I have one bit of follow-up. I've got a couple tucked away. I'll let you go first. All right, okay. It's just a small one, but it follows on from a bunch of uh, news stories that we've we've kept abreast of for the for the time. Uh, mm-hmm. This is about uh, good old Lab Zero and its and its runes. Oh yes, I had this under news as well. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Just a just a, just update on on that whole story is that Five Hundred Five Game have sadly. Had to, to pull support for their plans, uh, you know, additions to Indivisible. We mentioned this basically at the start of the podcast that, uh, mm. 505 were, ha- you know, were removed from the entire equation and therefore could technically just keep on working away, detached from it all. But seemingly not the case. One way or the other, either the money was pulled away from them or, or they just decided to distance themselves one way or the other. Uh, the planned DLC and additions to Indivisible are no, are no longer on the way, unfortunately. No, development on in Indivisible has ended completely, and none of the projected guest characters will not be implemented, including such figures as Shovel Knight, Annie from Skullgirls, Shantae, Hyperlight Drifter, uh, I believe it's Juan from Guacamelee, I don't know that character's name. Yeah, I, it figured, I think it's Juan, yeah. And uh, amongst others... Some of were allegedly already finished, oh. so th- oh. that's real unfortunate, or near yeah. enough to finish. I love that you could have you could have skipped naming them, and if you had said all the indie characters you know and love, and people would assume, is it Shovel Knight? Is it Juan? <laughs> is it Hyper Light Drifter? <laughs> I wanted that knife firmly twisted. In any case, there's going to be a lot of unhappy backers, no doubt. Oh, Potential uh-huh. class action on the way, because there were a lot of people who backed that game under the asp- assumption that those characters would be in it. Yeah, that's real unfortunate. The way it was put, it didn't sound like it had really, it was anything 505 could have done about it. Hmm. There, it looked like the contract was basically ripped from their hands. <laughs> Looks like the zero in Lab Zero refers to the number of employees now. Oh, wah, wah, wah. The, uh, speaking of class actions... Better follow up from last week regarding the Nintendo class action lawsuit. Well, uh, I don't... is it that it was cut because it's not in last week's episode? Oh yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Lee showing his pro Nintendo bias. <laughs> no, I just thought it was it was. I reacted really strongly to it, and it was not fun to listen to, even though it was an interesting segment. 
So you can quickly catch everybody up and then and then fill them in. All right, so quick in, we're jumping into the news for about 30 seconds, and then we're jumping back to follow-up. Mm. Nintendo is receiving a class-action lawsuit because of planned obsolescence regarding their Joy-Con controllers having drift. The reasoning being that uh, Nintendo has had long enough to know about the complaints and to fix them, but hasn't done so. Mm. So they're being accused of knowingly allowing it to continue so that people keep buying overpriced uh, docks and controllers for their Switch. Mm-hmm. Now, the follow-up is that uh, I don't know about any developments regarding the case itself, but uh, the media's reaction to this, which is there's been a lot of pro-Nintendo publications, mm. as well as just media publications in general, including but not limited to Wired and Screen Rant, who are making a concerted effort to mischaracterize this lawsuit as, quote-unquote, a mother and son asking for $5 million dollars when, with no Ooh. mention in the headlines, that it's actually a, a class action. Wow. <laughs> They're just going, Mother and Saw suing Nintendo over controller drift for $5 million. <laughs> How easy it is to mischaracterize the public. <laughs> mm. uh, Lift Rousers, did you know I had a Commodore 64 DMIC? Whoa, no, I did not. <laughs> Fucking and awesome. I, you know, it is a pretty damn good of holding up. I mean, obviously, there are some concessions made for technical purposes, but it actually, you know, if this came out on a Commodore 64, I think it would have been pretty dang good even for the time that it came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, not merely because of the, you know, saturation of the market book direct that resulted in the crash, but, you know, aside from that. Oh, and uh, one last one. Do you remember a few episodes ago when I said that the sorts of people who play fantasy or sci-fi games and pick the default human character every time are are like <laughs> d- like reprehensible in that sort of Stepford Wives kind of way. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I won't yeah, be near you. I can't remember what the You're- exact words were, but it was essentially <laughs> the, the symbol that somebody might You're- be deranged. <laughs> You're a vacuous person. You're the absence of imagination. And I don't want anything to do with you. Well, guess what? Baldur's Gate 3 came out recently, uh-huh. and its developers, Larian Studios, took a look at the analytics and they created their own character using the most popular character creation choices, and it's the most distressingly boring <laughs> default damn white dude imaginable. Oh my god! <laughs> Disgusting. Pathetic. In fact, I'm gonna link you there. You have to show me the picture, man. <laughs> okay, here you go. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes for, for our listeners. Uh, but oh my god <laughs> oh my he's like a disney prince yeah and uh, the, including in the in the the link here is the developers themselves chastising the great unwash the public themselves for their complete dearth of creativity congratulations you've basically made the default fault dweller what the hell guys we gave you demon eyes horns and even tails we are sorely disappointed go crazy we worked hard on this fucking right you never even think about the fact that they put so much work in to give you options and you 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 pick fucking prince philip for fuck's sake utterly reprehensible utterly reprehensible that's very distressing i mean Baldur's gate if, if if there's any salvaging of this, it's that Baldur's Gate only came out this week, so maybe they're targeting mm. the elitist white straight guys that uh, seem to dominate the the top of the YouTube and Twitch playlists. 
You're right. You're right. Maybe maybe the results are skewed. Maybe this isn't the fault of the public. Yeah. It's a fault of all the influencers and games yeah. journalists a, out yeah, there. Popular culture is to blame, as usual. And, the, <laughs> and and them being dull, unimaginative, and potentially psychopaths is basically a confirmation of what we've already known uh, about them for so I, long. I would like to see this a year later. I would like to see them do this a year later and see if it's changed at all. I, I'm not saying it's going to change much. I'm almost certain it won't. But I'd like to see it just in case. Just, just, you know, even if he had a tail, if he was a, the same figure but with a tail, that, you know, like, that would give me, like, there's, like, a tail of hope for mankind. This, this fucking character looks like a Saved by the Bell, like, high school protagonist. <laughs> Except far prettier, which is all more distressing. Like, they can't even let themselves believe that they're not fucking <laughs> ubermensch. He's like the Red Ranger. <laughs> In, in, in every Power Rangers, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Lawrence, what'd you get up to this week? I did get to grips with Among Us this week. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about a month late as far as the zeitgeist is concerned, but hey, I got there eventually. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're only like a week behind me, so I mean, we're in it together, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I I was in time to catch a stream at Vectorman Live. That's twitch.tv slash Vectorman Live. Join in if you want to see Lee go to the toilet whenever I'm going to unleash my master plan. <laughs> and if I'm in the imposter. Yeah, at least that's 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 the least savage <laughs> bit so far. Just completely off camera. I'm a whirling dervish of violence and destruction and deception. And Lee's just getting a glass of water. <laughs> so you wouldn't be able to see from the stream. I don't know if uh, many people have ever experienced this, but do you know when somebody's like too good at what they're doing, it's kind of boring? <laughs> oh, terrible. And here, I feel like my track record as imposter is looking pretty good so pretty far. Good. The only times I, the only times I've ever been cu- I've ever been ejected is when someone just simply saw me do the crime. Yeah. Not much you can do about that. I think you were imposter four times in our stream the other night. Uh, I was. It was beautiful. Twice, twice were it was... immaculate gold mine, like perfect plan. Watching people tear themselves apart while continuing to pick them off one by one. It was all according to Kikaku, etc., etc. The first time you busted me right away, yeah. and I was like, well, got busted, not much I can do about that. No, I was four times, four times I was imposter. That's right, because the fourth time was your last time. You you did get caught, and you weren't straight caught. You made the fatal error of walking the same direction as people who were just leaving the room, who also happened to turn the right way just in time to piece it all together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nobody has so far broken the, the Freudian shield that you've put up each time, which is a shame, because like, it's <laughs> the more I feel like we play, the more transparent it appears to me. <laughs> yeah. So many mind games going on, I'm like, right, I'm relying too much on electrical and security. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm building up an MO. People are going to start <laughs> yeah. to know it's me because it's going too well. I need to mix it up a little bit. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think my favorite bit was when I killed Black near the bridge, completely smooth. You know, you, I've noticed when you play, you hesitate. There's a bit of back and forth, like, oh, should I kill this person? Uh, yeah. And then you hit the button. With me, there's no hesitation. You got to get in there. Yeah, there, there no dawdling. I, I, was, I was both shocked and not shocked about the efficiency by which you pass a person without blinking. But as you pass, their head disappears. <laughs> Hop into a vent, go up north the weapons, uh, pink passed me by, going down towards the body, I pop out of the vent, I follow him, I find him standing over the body that he has just slain, my god everyone, he wasn't reporting it, it must have been pink, it must have been pink. That's right, Pink that's gets right. voted off. 
It's the last three remaining. I voted pink. The other guy has voted pink. Pink hasn't voted yet, so I just tab out. I go into the chat and I just start gloating. There's nothing they can do. It's too late! That's the point where I left for the bathroom because it was it was already done. The D was done. The foot was even cast. <laughs> like it was it was at that part I was like, they're just arguing over the inevitable end now. <laughs> oh my mo shindu. There's nothing they can do. <laughs> well done. Well memorized. Mm. I've had plenty of practice. I have to say... Just waiting uh, for the day when it comes up. <laughs> I have I have to say, uh, having, having it being streamed so that there's an audience to my genius is terrible in how gratifying it is. It, it convinced me that uh, I would make for a terrible serial killer in real life because I would be that person. <laughs> to relish it. Who, who would go back to the scene of the crime to have a bit of banter with Lieutenant Columbo. Oh, it's like, oh, there's been a terrible murder. Oh my god, who would do such a thing? <laughs> yeah. And get busted purely on that basis. Yeah, yeah. It's a classic serial killer move. The, the, the pride is the downfall, etc., etc. Uh, but yeah, no, we had a really good stream. We, we, had, we had a couple of people in our group join us on the stream, and that was really good. And uh, hopefully more join us uh, the, the, more, the bigger we get, which... It's, you know, it's, it's working out. It's growing day by day. <laughs> Slowly but surely, mm. we grow like a like a tumor. Even though one of the guys we joined our group, I had to kick from the game. Followed the channel, joined the game, then got caught trying to close the door on me while chasing me down a hallway. Accidentally missed, closed the door on himself, letting me get away to get to the fucking buzzer to basically tell everybody, hey, by the way, he closed the door trying to murder me and got stuck on the other side like an idiot. We got a photo man. And, uh, Sad trombone. And then you hate to see ran it. to Twitch to say, what the fuck? <laughs> you ruined my game. <laughs> Once again, illustrating that we are playing with children. <laughs> Most likely. Almost certainly. <laughs> Nothing more satisfying. The first round of the game, you get maybe two kills in. You get to the, 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 the town meeting, for lack of a better phrase, the emergency meeting, and two innocents starting accusing each other. At that point, I've already won. Yeah, yeah. It's Absolutely. too late. It's beautiful. From that, it's just like, it, it's a flowchart at that yeah, point, which is, uh, if, if this, do this else do this i feel this this ties in a little bit with um salt like some advice i guess for the audience if they're playing among us what i found is uh, important because it, one time when i just lost fruit for basically in action is don't hesitate you know like don't i mean hesitate a little bit obviously like sometimes you you want to be able to bail out of something and, and have deniability but, like, don't basically hang around if you're the imposter not killing people the entire game, waiting for perfect moments. Just try and roll with it. You're more likely to get a better outcome from just denying what already happened to people. I, I killed in two of the games that I won on that stream. One of them, uh, as, as imposter, I mean, uh, one of them was... I killed somebody in front of two people, but they just happened to be watching the the security cams. And so I didn't know this. Lawrence was mm. helpful enough in chat to see, like, they probably didn't notice. Uh, but I was so convinced they had seen everything happen that I went into the chat assuming they had, they had caught me. And then they started giving hints that they didn't know who it was. And so I immediately started blaming them. <laughs> and another time that I won, um, you know, I panicked. I killed a guy. A guy was standing in the hall. Cool trick. If you stand in front of dead bodies, they can't. Other people can't see them. 
<laughs> mm. I did notice that. I'm not sure if that's just because you see yourself above dead bodies. I wonder if the other players were to look at you, they would see the dead body layered above you. I believe I read it in a Polygon article that it is a genuine tactic. Ah, so it's completely untrue then. <laughs> I'm giving Games Journals a lot of flack this episode, but I'll be giving them kudos later on, so that should balance Fair out. enough. In any case, uh, I enjoyed our stream a lot more than I enjoyed playing in pubs, because uh, playing Among Us in pubs completely throws my my game off because I generally play these games under the assumptions that my fellow players are rational actors, which has so far not proven to <laughs> no. be the case. I've been accused of being the the imposter and thrown off, thrown out the airlock on the basis that I was faking a task which as far as I was aware did not exist. You know, things like that. Mm. It's like, oh this person doesn't know it's like, they don't have complete knowledge. I'm being thrown out by idiots. <laughs> the most galling thing in the world is being an imposter and playing a good game and then getting thrown out for reasons that aren't anything to do with anything you did. It's just some imaginary bullshit one of them pulled out of their asses. Mm. It's like, at least get, at least, you know, book me for the right reasons, guys. Come on. So yeah, that was Among Us. Good time. Good times. Uh, my uh, my other main th- game that I played this week was Armello. Armello. Yes, I posted a uh, a sort of trailer in the the Discord there, so you have a visual aid if you don't know anything about it, but you seem to know about it, so that shouldn't be Didn't necessary. I, you might not remember this. Actually, a lot of people might not remember this, so I'll, I'll give some feedback. But uh, you know, once upon a time when PlayStation Plus was kind of k- taken off on um on PS4. Uh, Sony trialed basically vote for the game you want sessions. Oh, that sounds awful. It was. It really was, and that's why they stopped doing it. So, but they did it for maybe two, three months, um, where they give you three indie games uh, a month, and they said vote for the one you want. The other two don't aren't a part of the package, which is awful because those companies are vying for the money. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then they basically made a spe- uh, a public spectacle of the fact that some of them aren't getting it. Uh, and unfortunately for Armello, they were up the week that uh, the f- the first of the two games, whatever it's called, Grow Home was up. Mm-hmm. And Grow Home got it because Grow Home, enigmatic 3D, cutesy, you know, like, it, I mean, it's a really good game, but it also has a stark and very easy to decipher visual and gameplay style. That gets people interested the moment they see it. Unfortunately, Armello is a furry <laughs> board game with slow plotting tactics uh, that doesn't translate immediately to uh, trailer bait. And uh, unfortunately, was not. While I I voted for it because I thought it would be a deeper and more interesting game. Unfortunately, it never came, and so I've never had the chance to play it. But I've been keeping an eye on it ever since because it always looked good. All right, so here's the lowdown on Armello. Armello is a virtual board game, mm. essentially complete with uh, cards and dice and whatnot. It's set in a, a sort of if if you're familiar with the Red Wall book series, very similar to that, sort of like medieval dynasties and intrigue with uh woodland creatures mm-hmm. uh the premise is simple the king king lion is dying king lion's dying mm-hmm. he's dying of the rot which is some kind of fantasy evil corrupting disease that makes you crazy and super powerful 
and uh, the various characters that you can choose from are part of the various clans, and they're all competing to see who can be the one to succeed him. Now, cool. there are there are various ways to win. One is to kill the king, at which point you become the king. One is to kill the king using a rot victory, where you can accrue more rot than the king and use your evil powers to defeat him yourself. That is the, the bad, the evil ending, uh-huh. as it were. There is the ending where you... The good ending, I suppose, where you gather an amount of generic fantasy crystals that you can use to purify him in the means of doing so, killing him, but in a kind of, in my dying moments, I am myself Mm. kind of way. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, that sort of thing. And then there is the, uh, you know, the, the the points ending, you know, the civilization, yeah, you yeah. had the most points by the end. Timer ran out, just had nobody won, prestige. but you win by default kind of ending. <laughs> now, uh, Armello is a feast for the eyes and ears. You might want to relook at that trailer I, I linked did. to just to give it's, you a reminder. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous, and the, the soundtrack is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I might just buy the soundtrack because I like it so much. Mm. This isn't my first time playing Armello. I played it uh, a few years ago when I first bought it. And uh, I I loved it. I played a whole bunch of it. Uh, I got a whole bunch of the achievements, and I was like, "Yeah, I've got you know. If I play any more of this, I'll be sick of it. I'm enjoy. I've had a good time. I'll I'll put it down. Maybe come back to it later." Mm. And I was looking for things to play this week. I thought, oh, "I'll come back to the Armello. It's been a while. They've had some updates. There's some they DLC. Have. I bought I bought a little bit of DLC. I poked my head in. I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> Very nice." <laughs> I have this now. I don't care for all the sort of uh, live servicey Steam integration, like uh, loot boxy stuff that they've got in there now, mm-hmm. which uh, ordinarily would be like a deal breaker for me. But like, it's the game is more than generous with just throwing rewards at you for playing the game and getting achievements. That it doesn't even trigger the you know the pressure. Yeah, yeah. You know the anxiety. The don't you want to buy a loot box? You want to buy a loot box, right? You don't want to, you don't want to, what are you, some kind of pleb? You want to use, are you some kind of default Dan using all the default skins? What a loser, am I right? Oh my god. No, it's not like that. Also, it's primarily single player, which is how I've been playing it. There is a multiplayer. I assume, I assume that's when the pressure kicks in for the, for the loot box. Maybe that's why you're, you're immune to it. You haven't seen Ultra Lion, Tiger, Black and White, purple glowy guy come in yet maybe so i mean the only other person i would play it with is a couple of discord friends and you as well mm. and I, I don't think any of them would give a shit <laughs> and i'm not the sort of person who gives a shit about like other people's skins either so i'm not that broken up about it still it's a lot of fun the ai there's because it's dice based i normally don't care about you know random chance as a means of resolving combat but uh, it's got like you know, much like D and D, there's lots of things that you can do to make sure that you're more likely to win. Hmm. And th- there's nothing quite like an overcompetent AI starting ship with you when your combat dice are like you've got twelve of the damn things. It's just like a solid chunk of twelve dice, and they've got like four. And like you, the noise it makes of you throwing like twelve dice at once is just mm. the sound of twelve pats on the back. <laughs> Mwah. Beautiful, I love it. Uh, I might, keep, I'm, I'm probably going to keep playing it to get some of the rewards, like you know, beat the game with a character from each of the clans, uh, yeah, or get four purification wins, or get four rot wins. The rot one is the most difficult one to get because uh, the king gets plus one rot every night and he loses one health every day and he dies at the end 
uh, of like I think maybe twenty turns. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and whoever has the most prestige at that point is the winner. That's the default winning. So you would have to be getting more rot than the king. So like one every two turns, mm. which is fucking hard to do. Mm. It's really hard to do. And the way the rot works is that if you have rot and you're going up against someone else who has rot, say I have like a six rot points and the king has seven rot points, he has more. So for every point of rot that I have, he gets a dice for combat. Uh, so if I have six and he has seven, he gets six rot dice. Oh no. <laughs> so if you successfully pull it off where you've got more than him, uh, normally by the end of the game, he'll have like 10 and you'll have like 11. So you'll get 10 combat dice when you're going up against the king and it is glorious. Mm. Who's um, who's your usual player? Who do you usually pick? As, as I don't faction, I, I suppose. I don't actually have a main in. I guess you're achievement hunting, so there's talking about crystal lizard hunting. Jesus, know the meme, Lee. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'm not really played by the crystal lizards in this. Like Steam games, I generally don't give a shit about the achievements in the same way I would trophies for the PS3 and PS4. Mm-hmm. For this, I'm just I'm getting the trophies because they look easily attainable yeah. and they're encouraging me to play the game in ways that I ordinarily wouldn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like I play every character and I get every kind of ending with every kind of character. And uh, I, you know what? I'm having a grand time. I'm having a blast. Great. Uh, I, re- I I would highly recommend it. I think you would like it a lot. Yeah. You know, seeing as how board games for the foreseeable future are not something that we're probably going to be able to. <laughs> yeah, do we're going to have to get our fix somewhere. So this you this know, might ever be si- it. Ever since. <laughs> Ever since that portal opened in London and all the Daleks spewed out, we've been able to go out. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you. It's been a while since we had a an, an analogy. For- what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Ranting for as usual. Yeah, no, definitely. We could even stream it. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I'll, I'll, maybe if if I'm really bad at it, I'll I'll I'll, I'll block it. <laughs> well, in any case, that was my week. How was your weekly? My week was really good. Um, after last week's tremendous catastrophe in terms of my week, in that I mm-hmm. I came out the gate with the most boring of fucking content ever, and had to invent a time machine with which to remove it from the uh, from the podcast. That was some good editing. Good editing. <laughs> Thank you. This week I, I buckled down and played a lot more of the games, the sort of bigger games that had more interesting things to not so not so much interesting insights to talk about but more that i had more of an actual interest in rather than a bunch of fucking indie games i had shot out in an r and then decided to hey this will do <laughs> apparently it doesn't work like that you can't just put names on the list and say hey it's content <laughs> you'll listen regardless no you have to actually talk about you it you have to actually have some form of investment i'm uh, being engaging about it yeah I can promise to at least be engaged by the thing and then by hopefully by proxy engage others. So I had two other games that I had played from the fucking racial equality bundle that got cut from last week out of a total four and I'm not I'm not talking about any of them. I can't be arsed with it. (laughs) They were all very disappointing. (laughs) Okay, to be clear, right, very quickly, one of them wasn't disappointing, but there's also very little to talk about. So I'll just give a recommendation here and move on swiftly. The game is called A Short Hike. A lot of people mm-hmm. will recognize it because... Uh, I recognize that name. It's uh, it's a Humble Bundle original. So that's probably showed up on a bunch of people's feeds. The other thing, it was in it was featured in one of our uh, Nintendo Directs that we covered a couple of weeks back. 
So there's a little thing. Stars Claire, who is a bird, uh, who is on a holiday retreat with her aunt and uh, needs cell phone reception to answer uh, to get a call and to do that the only place on the island with good reception is the top of a mountain so she has to climb that and Inso discovers herself her emotional state meets a bunch of people to get her out of her emotional thing it's all a very calm relaxing game it's about two hours long and I wholly recommend it because I really enjoyed it I found it really uh, engaging it was something that I didn't really expect to play for longer than like 15-20 minutes I was just really giving it a shot and I beat it and not only that I went out on like a collectionist or a completionist run because I was so engaged (laughs) it's very a night in the woods yeah it it, uh, does have that um, sort of uh, ennui about it one of those games one of those emotional games that's kind of understated but powerful in how it's understated. It reminds me a, a lot narrative-wise. It has a lot of uh, similar emotional beats to Celeste for anyone who's ever played that, even mm-hmm. down to the mountain <laughs> that forms the narrative crux. But it's it's like Celeste without the, the challenge. There's no fail state in this game. I wouldn't call it a, a walking simulator either. I would call it just a, a very relaxing collectathon. There is sort of failure in this game is slipping from the mountain and having to climb back up but it's there's no death you know worst yeah so uh but uh, and and worse uh, worse than that is that you know you'll see collectibles on your way up and go like "Mm, i could take a little detour and then you know that detour goes on for like almost half an hour as you find a different island a bunch of different characters all with their little tiny side quests going on that you want to get involved with it is very cute. There's not a lot to talk about without, like, just spoiling the damn thing. I think mm. it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the Grow Home and Grow Up games, as I've mentioned before in this podcast. I heartily recommend those two games for the same effect. They're very relaxing to play, and the fail state is falling. <laughs> uh, and it's it's one you want to avoid at all costs. But uh, Short Hike... Really, really cozy. It was kind of it's like it's like watch. It's like playing a Christmas movie. That kind of mm. cozy. Two hours and you're done. But uh, it sticks with you. And so I wanted to shout that out because I played a couple of games, and honestly, that was the only one that I really liked. And would I, I I'd feel bad for moving swiftly on without giving it a shout out. It's a it's a hot chocolate in a Ghibli movie. <laughs> yeah, That's what it is. It really, really is that exact vibe. So I wanted to talk about what I mentioned last week in terms of games that I had been streaming that I was invested in, I've now gotten to a certain state where I can I could talk about them. And those games are Crash Bandicoot 4 and Resident Evil 7. All right. Uh, so two different segments. Start with Crash, because... Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're starting with Crash, because that's the one that I, I watched your VOD for. I have to say, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a good sign when the first... 30 minutes of gameplay, are you forgetting the fact that you're meant to be commentating because you're so enamored and yeah. nostalgia? Yeah, Crash Bandicoot 4. Fuck me. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad I picked this up. Uh, I've stopped streaming it because I do think... This is too intimate. This is too personal, this game. I think there's a concern when, when things like that are said that you're like too afraid to be seen failing at something, uh, which isn't the case. I think that I think there's definitely a market for watching somebody struggle uphill with Crash 4's intense difficulty uh Mm -hmm. but um no i it's it's just 
I don't think that's the kind of game that I think is fun for me to stream. I, for, I, you know, this week I watched, um, well-known YouTuber Katikarus. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he was, he's, he's well-known for being a Crash Bandicoot fan. And, uh, when I was on Twitch the other day, I saw that his stream was pushed to the top. So I checked it out. I do pop in on his videos now and then just to see how he's, how he's developing in the world. And, uh, and yeah, so it was interesting to see him play the same levels I had played. And uh, and he's slightly more efficient at them, but <laughs> he had a problem where I had already kind of put aside by the time he was playing it, which is he was treating it like it's Crash Bandicoot 4, which was what I did, and mm-hmm. I had to stop doing that. How so? Right, so what I mean by that is, this I, I do believe this game is Crash Bandicoot 4, like it is the fourth Crash Bandicoot game, it is perfect uh, in terms of a follow-up would you say that it's more crash bandicoot 4 than sonic 4 was sonic 4 yeah well yeah Any, anything's more <laughs> that was that was sonic advance 4 i feel like uh sonic 4 was probably the best, biggest example of them pointing at the stands going we're putting the four at the end boys yeah. this one's gonna be it's gonna be a home run we're gonna <laughs> this is four there's gonna be no subtitles this is four it's a straight up successor and then they just, you know, slip in a banana peel in each shit. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, that that doesn't seem to be the case with this one. No, no. This this absolutely feels par for Crash Bandicoot Four, a full follow up, a worthy successor to the to the title. Yeah, yeah, a worthy successor, exactly. But I, I here's the thing, right? So if we step back just a few years to 2017, uh, those peaceful, wholesome times. Yeah, Crash Insane Trilogy came out that year, uh, and it's a game that I picked up in the in the week that. It came out as well because yeah i wasn't kidding about this whole i'm a big crash bandicoot fan <laughs> it wasn't a meme it wasn't a joke unfortunately <laughs> and uh so i got this and i got the original or the insane trilogy and that lodges it immediately in short-term memory these are games that i've played frequently anyway in their original incarnation but hmm. it's interesting the effect that release had on me because when it came out even though it was glossy and new, I burned through them like I burned through it every time I play the first three Crash games because that's what I do. I've, I've played them so often, I know them so thoroughly, it was just a matter of getting all the trophies. And I wanted to make mm. sure in as efficient a way as possible I could get all those trophies. And I did. I believe I was done with all of them and all the trophies within a week in, in an intense burn through of all three games. But it's just because of rote memorization. But so, lo and behold, Crash 4 gets announced. And, uh, you know, looks to be capturing the original spirit of the thing. And uh, the game comes out, and my first moments with the game were, were on Twitch. I was worried, I was a little hesitant about that, because I was afraid that that would add a factor to it. <laughs> like a performative factor to it. But I'm really glad anyway, because it didn't make any fucking difference, because when I started playing it, I just played it like I I always play Crash. Zone out, stop talking to people, <laughs> and just play it yeah. like a fucking robot. <laughs> I, 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 j- I joked about it earlier, about how you were too uh, lost in nostalgia to remember that you're meant to be streaming and commentating, but to be honest, I didn't mind all that much because uh, I was I was in the same mindset myself watching it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. It is kind of like that first playthrough thing where you're just like, I want to see, I want to see, though. <sighs> right, so I think I learned from doing that stream and, and the subsequent stream was I was I was attempting, essentially as a follow-up to the Crash Insane trilogy, to play this like it was a game that I was intimately familiar with. but And and so I was like trying to 100% complete it every level. 
I was trying to pick the most efficient path that I didn't, like, I got the least amount of deaths and got the most amount of collectibles on the one run, knowing that there were mm-hmm. some that I couldn't do that same run and would have to do a second route. And, you know, like, you map out these things when you know something inside out. Like, oh, well, I mean, I can't get that in the same run because you destroyed the box that, you know, lets you over to that side of the map. And so you have to do it in two runs. There's no way around it. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was essentially trying to apply that to a game that I had never played and was dressed up like games that I had played. But for some reason, mentally, you know, I'm just looking at it and going like, this is a game I know. (laughs) This is a game I like. (laughs) I didn't mind at all watching you try to do the the completionist thing on your first playthrough. That didn't trouble me at all, because that's how you play Crash Bandicoot, as far as I'm concerned. If you'd went through those levels and didn't even bother trying to get all the crates, that would have driven me fucking nuts to watch. No, of course, of course. And I think that is how you play Crash in general, but trying to get all six of the magic gems and challenges first time around, that is a move that is made by somebody who has played a level enough to understand it. And Mm -hmm. that, unfortunately, the game goes quite out of its way to tell you you're not really supposed to take that stance. And you can ignore it as much as you want, but there are gems that you can't get on the same run that you assume up to that point you can. Yeah, I got that impression. And the, the whole thing is, while you're doing this, and while you're in this zone where you're treating it like something that you're intimately aware of, you're actually not treating it like its own thing. That gets the work of people who, like, wanted to make something new with the coat of paint or, like, the constraints of an original series. You know, like... Oh, I see. It's the it's the fluff versus the crunch thing, isn't it? Where it's like, uh, if you're if you're... Like you're go- you're going through it like a like a Crash Bandicoot algorithm that has been reinforced, learned yeah. over the course of several years on the previous three Crash games, and you're just going through it like in as optimal a manner as you can, just like uh, crushing it beneath your heel, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, uh-huh. but uh, you you feel like you're forgetting about the artistry. What about the fluff? What about the well, I, I actually, you know what? I don't think that uh, that's true. I think you gave it a, a pretty good uh, viewing on the, the fluff front as well, especially that time where you accidentally stumbled upon a couple of Easter eggs, like uh, the, the RC car. Oh, yeah. I that mean, that, you, was, that, you that was a, a genuinely fun moment. Pure serendipity, and, I'm, and it was a pleasure to watch. <laughs> uh, but no, but I, what I mean is... In general, I, I mean, maybe this applies more personally, but I do think there's a there's a certain generality about it that by treating it like something that I was intimately aware of, not just sort of the artistry side of it, but it's also disingenuous to how I originally came to love the Crash Bandicoot games. <laughs> you know, like those are games that I didn't go through and was like, I, I'm going to I'm not I'm going to kill myself and quit the level if I don't get all the boxes on my first go. That's that's not somebody who originally played the Crash Bandicoot games. That is somebody who has replayed them to death and knows that's how you play them efficiently when you've got an objective in mind, like a speedrunner, and you need to crash oh, yeah. and burn out and start again, and it's easier and faster that way. But it's not it's not genuine to how you're supposed to play the game on your first See, experience, I felt. No, no, I, I feel like this is the metacognition problem where you're thinking too much about how you're supposed to be playing the game rather than just playing the game. Like, if if the natural <laughs> way that you play this is I want to get all the boxes 
uh, on my first turn, if at all possible, then by all means do that. Yeah. I don't think, I think that like overthinking about, oh no, you know, I should be doing this naturally. I should be, you know, more loosey-goosey. Oh, I should yeah, be casual no. about it. So, uh, to be I clear, think that- there, is a, there is a distinction here. I'm not saying that I, like, I would stop trying to get all the boxes in a run. That's not the same thing. That is the general objective of the game. What I'm talking about is hardcore resetting when you fail, like, one box. You know, like, not just running the level through and seeing if you can get any of the other challenges and then coming back to it another time and i here's my point right it's not that that's not a valid way to play of course it is i i'm saying that that was actively hurting by treating it that way it was actively hurting my engagement with the game i was i wasn't even like practicing the new shit it was throwing at me because i was like all right got that sorted that understand it mentally you know i wasn't getting good at any of it i was just trying to brute force it to 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 fit into my preconception of how i play crash bandicoot games and it wasn't working and i was sort of it was starting to get me frustrated about the whole experience for reasons that were totally reliant on my uh, like preconception of how i play crash bandicoot games the, the, the way i see it is the way one plays crash bandicoot is the way in which one plays crash bandicoot and trying <laughs> to deviate from that out of some kind of perceived notion of doing the game justice is not doing anyone any favors not the game not the developers not you well I, yeah okay maybe i it, interesting that you feel that way because i i feel like it's it's something it's not something that has come up a lot but i have felt this thing before in games that are inherently nostalgia baiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say that you know we do like to joke on this podcast. We do like to joke on Vector Men about Lawrence's brain worms. But the truth of the matter is, I only tolerate them insofar as they serve me. Because <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I you know I, I I joke about how I'm compelled to get all the the achievements in certain games because of you know the brain worms and whatnot. But the truth of the matter is, I feel that that indulging them to an extent allows me to experience games in ways that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I would never play Dante Must Die mode on Devil May Cry unless there was a trophy for it. And in doing so, I got a much more rewarding experience. But like, uh, say I rub up against one that's make, like, say the, the Mindleben uh, trophy from Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, the, the mm-hmm. incredibly difficult one that I give up on. I realized after a certain point that I wasn't enjoying it, it wasn't very rewarding, and that this was one brain worm that I was just going to have to put down. It, 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 it wasn't going to happen. So yeah. I stopped. Indulging the brain worms is how I normally play these things, mm-hmm. and if that's natural for me, then I'll do it. And that'll be that's just the way I play the game. And I appreciate that if you're streaming, you have a certain pressure on you to behave in a way that's entertaining, and you might not think that restarting the level over again is entertaining. Mm. But the way I would see it is, I'm going to be finishing the game anyway, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be doing it at my pace. So if I'm not rushing ahead to see all the new stuff, that's fine. I'll get to it eventually. There's no rush. You become a, you become one with the brain worm. Yeah. You accept <laughs> it for what it is. You tame the brain worm. You know, you, you cross your legs and go home, and you in- achieve enlightenment by that means. All right. Well, some qualifiers. I'm not talking explicitly about streaming here. Uh, you know, mm, all right, fair enough. This, uh, this is this is me talking about playing the game in my own time, which I've been doing far more than the streaming thing. I've done maybe two streams, about an hour and a half total, uh, of what has been a four-hour playthrough up till now, uh, where I've, uh, I, I think I beat the main story, but there's more stuff on the line. 
And I found that it was, while it was beneficial and fun to see how far I could push my old standards for Crash Bandicoot and play a game like as if it were something that just fit in naturally to the, the world that I knew before and my conception of how this game would work in my head. The truth was that only got me so far before I was actively enjoying the game less. And I just wanted to make a point that there is a case for <laughs> arguing with your preconceptions of how you uh, have grown to know something and not to immediately see that as something that is lesser about the new, but that it's something that you're holding on and judging the new by. So by me holding on to Crash Bandicoot 4 in the standards of, like, I know it intimately, like I know the first three Crash Bandicoot games, I was actively holding it to a standard that not only was it not trying really to do, but it was actively moving past, and I was I was essentially holding old standards to, to, to new conditions and, and not being fair both to my enjoyment of the game and to the game as it's designed in its new iteration. And it was actively getting in the way of me enjoying things and, uh, and experiencing the game in any... Like, because you're supposed to be at least somewhat laissez-faire, but my idea of Crash Bandicoot was to, you know, have this efficient route. Mm -hmm. But uh, at a certain point, if you just keep failing, you're supposed to let it go and move on, you know, and come back later. And I was... I wouldn't do that originally with Crash Bandicoot, the original game, so why would I do it now? But I had to sort of let go of that and, and kind of move forward. And I think it's something that I'm encountering more and more with the games that are trying to recapture the spirit of older games. Only, and I, I, it's not just my perception of me. I also think it's something that a lot of other people do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, like, for example, I played uh, Ukulele last year. Uh, and I think that's a game that gained a lot of unfair criticism for this exact phenomenon where you were holding it to standards, which, you know, rightfully, the designers were trying to, to capture, you know. But it's not just that they were trying to capture something. It was that people were bringing their established routine to playing them to a new thing. It's as if the same design team had made a fourth game of Crash Bandicoot, for example, or a, a, a third straightforward sequel at the time to Banjo-Kazooie. People would have their problems adjusting to the new game. But that mm -hmm. that becomes worse. That becomes harder to do over time. <laughs> and oh yeah, because uh, what what that thing is coalesces in the popular consciousness until it becomes like ironclad. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it becomes like the Bible of how to play Banjo Kazooie, and then people who are versed in the Bible of Banjo Kazooie play what is essentially the third Banjo Kazooie game, and and aren't pleased that it doesn't fit the Bible, you know. And this, you know, it's the same thing. I've heard a lot of criticism of Sonic Mania for the same thing, less or so because it it's a lot flashier. And I guess maybe people don't have the same standards to Sonic because he has a he's a lot wavier kind of rules. His games were never all the same. Sonic is a is a weird example because its fandom collectively has endured been afflicted with what I can only describe as Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Where by this point, you know, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's enjoyable because it's cringe, no matter <laughs> yeah. what. Like, mm -hmm. we've warped ourselves sufficiently so that no matter, no matter what is put out, we find a way to enjoy it. But And we also have to consider that, you know... We're old geezers, Lee. <laughs> we, we we played Sonic 1 to Sonic 3, and, you know, we had a good time. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, we pretend to have played Sonic CD. Uh, <laughs> I had played Sonic CD. Yeah, yeah, me too, Lee, me too. Mm -hmm. 
In any case, uh, there are people who played Adventure onwards, and for them that was Sonic. Yeah, so when yeah. they play Mania, they're like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I feel like even still, there was there was sort of a chorus of people who were like, "I love the originals," and I fell off the bandwagon. And when I came to Mania, I felt it lacked the je ne sais quoi of a Sonic game. And you're like, mm-hmm. I, I, "Yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's it's not the same game." <laughs> CGP Grey describes this as the totem. You play you played the Sonic games as a kid, and in your head you form the totem mm. of what Sonic is, which is what you think Sonic is. And then whenever the new one comes out and you play it, and it does not, and whilst it may perfectly well represent what Sonic is, it does not reflect what your totem of Sonic is, mm. and so therefore you reject it on that basis. Um, that's that's a that's a wonderful way to put it. I think that's exactly the, the, that describes the problem I have with Crash Four playing it. I was playing by the totem. Mm. But, hey, I, you know, all I wanted to put to this was that, you know, I uh, I eventually got over it. You know, I, I, I still, like, obviously, I try to get as much of the levels done as I possibly can. But when it's getting to a point, like, these are brutally hard levels. And that they're also unfamiliar in exciting and fun ways, not just sort of, like... Oh, it's new, and therefore I don't know them off by heart. Like, there's a lot of new stuff thrown at you that was never in a Crash game that uh, mm-hmm. that they've done really well, but also involves learning new rules. And and you might suck at some of those for maybe ages, and you have to allow yourself to get good at them. Uh, and I had to allow myself to get good at them, too, instead of trying to say, well, I know it, and I'm going to be great at it, I'm going to get it first time, and if I fail too many times, I'm going to start the whole thing over and try and get it again, even though, I, you know, I, I'm not allowing myself to get any better at the thing that was troubling me in the first place. Now I'm just getting really good at the parts that had nothing to do with what held me up. You know, it's just bad tactics based in bad understanding of how games work. <laughs> uh, but I've since, like... I haven't been blasting through the game. I've, I've been leisurely trying to hold as close to how I would usually play as possible and s- scouting around, checking every nook and cranny for more secrets. Uh, and, you know, all that shit's really fucking good, and the game is really, really fucking good. But I'm enjoying it a lot more now that I've unclenched just a little to allow the game to shine through with the new parts so that I can now go back and anal retentively understand it in the way that I would understand everything else. Well, I have to say, uh, I'm glad you agree that Coco is, in fact, the best Bandicoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say, I, I, I was surprised, though. Engine with a, a rock band. I didn't think he was the type. I found that off-character, just... too. I'm glad you noticed that. Engine always struck me as a sort of person who sits in a laboratory listening to Kraftwerk albums on repeat over and over. Mm. That struck me as his bag. Yeah, I find that weird. Engine, in the later Crash games, he's he's always kind of struggled because they went back and forth in what his identity is. Him and Brio, who are both in this game, had really funny iterations in Crash Mind Over Mutant, the last canon Crash game. Or, not canon, mm-hmm. I guess. Last big crash release those games were a little funnier in tone this one's played a lot straighter and they really like there's no other way to put it than they kind of cartoon networked up their <laughs> up their personalities yeah uh, they did and uh, i really really I, I thought they were quite funny and i i did think that they found a, a, a good balance of the old with the new in those cases and now they've kind of walked back those changes this time around but in doing so they've kind of lost a a, a semblance of who they originally were 
Now Brio is mm-hmm. kind of, he's no longer sniveling like he was in the original, and he's no longer sort of wisecracking and sarcastic like he was in the later games. So now he's kind of just a uh, a, a sassy talk out of uh, coward. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Engine is no longer like some sort of dual personality, like psychopath slash genius Jekyll and Hyde thing like he was in the original. And he's no longer a cartoonish bipolar maniac feeling like a Dexter's Laboratory character kind of thing. Yeah, he he was always like, I always equated him with Dexter as well. Yeah. Because they just look the same. They have the same sort of inscrutable accent. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess with Engine, it's like explicitly Peter Lorre, but with Dexter, it's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, and now he's, I don't know, he's just, he's like a guy who likes explosive stuff. I don't know. That's not mm-hmm. a personality, and it doesn't really strike a chord with any of and, what it uh, was designed to be. <laughs> oh, and don't think I didn't notice, developer, that the moment that Dingo Dial becomes playable, you ditch the flame floor and give him some kind of <laughs> child-friendly fucking leaf roar. Come on, guys. You know, I want to use the psycho murderer weapon. Did you hear where he swears? Yeah, he says bastard. He says and bastard. I'm like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> You're using your you're using like your one or two allocated bad words yeah, yeah. before you bump up the rating. And like, well, I mean, crash di- well, I mean, Dingle Dial does strike me as the sort of character who would stub his toe and scream every obscenity under yeah. the sun. So I can't say it's out of character. It was <laughs> no, absolutely like it, it's fitting in, I guess, old fans' this understanding of how this guy works. But like, it, it just seemed like. Aren't they trying to... I know they're trying to basically bait in the old guard, but aren't they also trying to sort of win over a new bunch of kids to play Crash? Well, like, I mean, kids today's... The, bastard to them, is that, is that even a bad word? I, I, guess, yeah, I don't think I guess, it is. I guess Captain America says shit, so maybe maybe it's not a thing. I don't know, I just I, I thought it would have skewed slightly younger. <laughs> it just seems strange. No, the, 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 the only... The only bad words, as it were, with any kind of impact or these days are racial slurs and, I think, cunt. I think that's about <laughs> it. Cunt, cunt is the last of the effect of, you know, you recoil and go, whoa, that, yeah. was, that was unnecessary. <laughs> that, that's the last one. Somebody drops an F-bomb these days, you go, yeah, whatever. Who are you trying to impress? Yeah, yeah. You're trying to make it big on YouTube? It's why we, it's why we do it so much. <laughs> We'll move on to game number two then. All right. Uh, Resident Evil 7. I finished it this week. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> did it end strong? It did. It really did. Way, it's going to be a spoiler-free conversation, just to be clear. Uh, Understandable. You've never, you've not played it. Lots of people haven't played it. That's that's what I would prefer. I mean, uh, I, I tuned in for the first stream just to get a nice, you know, bit of flavor and uh, the, the wish you well. Uh, but that well, in my own way, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I didn't watch any more because I wanted to be as spoiler free as I could. Because I do intend to play it once I get a VR headset. Yeah, I genuinely think that's worth doing. Uh, not just the VR thing, but also not having spoiled it. Because I, I'll be, I'll be honest. Some of the story beats did take me by surprise. I guess there was just more attention and care to character than I would have expected from Capcom. That uh, I'm, I'm really glad. You know that I was that I was allowed to let that unfold naturally. So it'll be interesting to see how you feel about any of the, the sort of turns and and upsets. But I'm gonna do um, uh, Resident Evil Seven. We're gonna do seven stray thoughts uh, because Ooh, very good. I needed to I needed to structure 
like I could I could talk forever about a game this big and with so many fucking hours spent on it. It was it, it gave me something effective to work towards by using the number seven. So I've I've limited myself and also uh, forced myself to think of seven things to say. <laughs> uh, I trust that you're going to be doing this uh, Twelve Nights of Christmas style. In, in what sense? Oh, you know, with a song. Shall we say? <laughs> A song that repeats over until you get to the last one. Yeah, all right. Give me two seconds. I'll I'll formulate that. Five DLCs, <laughs> four mutant hicks, three mold creatures. Uh, let's see, two severed limbs, and a confusing Chris character model <laughs> to change my next game. Uh huh. As they have done for every game for the last. <laughs> yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, seems a bit redundant to say it'll be different next game. It's different every game. <laughs> Alright, alright, here we go. On the first day of streaming, Ari gave to me one Metroidvania. <laughs> oh, really? No, uh, so it's just the title. Title of the, of the point. Uh, so, point number one, Neil Ramji, who joined me on, on the stream, he's from Film Seekers, look that up on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. He asked me on stream whether Resident Evil games count as Metroidvanias, and I wanted to address that because Ooh, at the time uh, I was a little iffy about it. Uh, I would say the the originals do the like remake one most certainly is because yeah. you're running around. Oh, yeah, actually, you know what? You don't use abilities; you use keys. Mm, yeah, yeah, you might be right. I was erring on the side of Resident Evil One definitely being a Metroidvania. I would be inclined to say the same. I, the pars in Metroidvanias tend to act as keys, really, anyway. So I. Guess Yes, that's that's a little negligible, but um, yeah, I I think the the more important thing, right, is that a Metroidvania has one big interconnected world. Uh, I think that's kind of inherent to both Symphony and uh, Symphony of the Night and Metroid Super Metroid. Um, mm. So I I think that's more relevant than the pars are the keys. Um, yeah. But so I, I'm 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 willing to say Resident Evil the original is, but I was a little. <laughs> At the time when asked, I was in a position to to think Metro that Resident Evil Seven might have been a Metroidvania. Actually, actually, now that I think about it, like every Resident Evil game, just like Metroid, ends with a you know the lab's about to blow up, yeah. the nuke's gonna go off, we run! need to run back to this place. <laughs> so yeah, you know what? Mm, maybe there, maybe there's there's a there's reasoning to be had there. Yeah, there, there, it certainly was food for thought in the moment. It was dis- <laughs> distracting about it, food for thought in like a quite tense scene to be like, hmm, am I going to have to bring up Metroidvanias on everything I do? Is uh, After all mm-hmm. this time, is Resident Evil just another fucking Metroidvania in my life? <laughs> maybe uh, maybe that's why you never finished Remake, because you, you hit the low. You hit the Metroidvania no, low. No, no I, I, <laughs> I didn't finish Remake because I'm... I didn't give it its due. You know, mm-hmm. That 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 was definitely one where I just like I thought it was a different type of game, uh, and then finding it was a Metroidvania and a lot more sophisticated than I gave it credit for. I wasn't prepared and so backed out. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it's just as well that this friend of yours didn't pose this question to you until you were a certain amount of in because because uh, <laughs> I would have retaliated like it can't be. I'm out of this. Yeah, the your low. brain would have. Re- <laughs> Your your brain would have re- rebelled and uh, you would have quit quit almost immediately. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that the distinction between Resident Evil Seven, at least, even it's kind of that mesh between the old style and the the action style of four, five, six. 
but it doesn't i don't think it qualifies as metroidvania because there's a clear break at a certain point where you're no longer able to access the old area uh, you know right. and then you, you basically start a new area with its own interconnecting systems but that to me that's just a puzzle game with rooms. You, you go <laughs> you go to the village to the castle as it were yeah yeah and then in that respect it's a little more like uh resident evil 4 where you know there is a lot of space to maneuver around these areas but at, the, at a certain point it gates you mm. uh so on the first day of streaming ari gave to me one metroidvania two could have been stingier <laughs> surely it would be the second day of streaming would it not yeah that makes sense i'll, oh, well. I'll, I'll amend for next time <laughs> mm. you're clumsily we'll be here all day you're, 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 cl- you're clumsily edited in in post no fuck it <laughs> So the second point, uh, this is this is basically, I have a lot of positive stuff to say, but this is I'm going to get my minor criticism out of the way of the yeah. game, uh, which is that I I feel it could have stood to be a bit stingier. Like from what I know of re- of the very early Resident Evils, they they don't give you shit, <laughs> you know. Oh well, you got I, resource I management that. and you got limited ammo and you you know well here's the distinction right in Resident Evil One. You retract through rooms and you come up to a bunch of the same zombies over and over again. And you have limited means to get rid of some of them. You like to burn mm-hmm. them or whatever. And uh, you have limited bullets to even sort of incapacitate them. So a lot of the time, the best way to run through the game is to sort of dodge and or tank a little damage and get on with your walk. That is the, uh, the survival aspect of survival horror. Yeah. The conservation of resources. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Resident Evil 7, uh, there was never a uh, situation where I couldn't shoot my way out of it. Um, I was never a room I entered where um, where I didn't have the sufficient ammo to shoot monsters. And then, uh, and to be fair, right, I'll, some of that could come down... To experience. Well, it could come down to being a decent shot. You know, I, I, I did get decent headshots throughout, and that did limit the amount of ammo I was using. And that wasn't mm-hmm. a factor in the... F- it wasn't really a much of a factor in the first couple of games and the tanky controls. You couldn't really get that sort of edge over. I imagine uh, you probably, unlike most people, you probably would have recognized when it's appropriate to use ammo and when not to. Like, for instance, you know that Jack Baker isn't the character that you're going to be able to kill in the first encounter by shooting him a lot. That's <laughs> there was there happen. was a few moments like that, definitely, where he was sort of downering around. And like, you can't just shoot a guy like that. <laughs> you know, like, this isn't a boss fight. He's just an obstacle. Uh Therefore, I'm I'm being advised by the game in its own language to avoid him, not face him, uh, mm-hmm. and therefore shouldn't waste my fucking ammo. Uh, but at the same time, I felt like the the stakes of this game are sufficiently lower that Ethan should have been. He's played as an everyman kind of character, and the stakes are yeah. not like rescue the president's daughter or storm a zombie house with an armed guard. Uh, you know, like this this is one dude on a, on a on a sort of desperate mission. And uh, and he's not affiliated with any sort of squad or anything. So have you uh, have you seen what the images of his character model look like? I have. I've seen. I've seen the the latest one for the upcoming village, which I thought was wonderful. I haven't seen the one for village, but I have seen the one for uh, seven. It's like he just looks like a dude who's been through some shit, and I love that. Oh, I didn't even know he, he had a face. I haven't seen the actual in-game model. Uh, no, I, I've seen like the actual character model, like what his face looks like, and it's hilarious because he just looks like a plain Jane <laughs> yeah. with like a with, with like a th- with like a thousand yard stare, and I think that that's probably the best thing that they could have given him. That's awesome. <laughs> the official art for Resident Evil Village shows his body, but his face is 
is hidden in fog mm. in the in the official render for Resident Evil Village. I, I, I fucking su- love that. <laughs> I, I, I I suppose I should say that uh, what the character model looks like should not be taken as the canon appearance no, because they just yeah. ha- they have to give him a, mo- a model. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, he needs to have a head and a face. <laughs> They exactly. can't. They can't just so that you know. Whenever like you see shadows and you see the contours of his nose, or whatever, uh, you know, in game, that doesn't mean that the character model that they give him is canonically what he looks like because you, the player, shouldn't be able to see that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I love what they've done with Ethan. I love that, and I, I love that the game plays up on on his essential powerlessness throughout the narrative and throughout the scenarios, which is why I feel, and that this is this is also counter to. A game that I <laughs> I would enjoy as much as I did, to be fair. This is criticism just to make a game that's truer to the vision that it's setting out, <laughs> more mm-hmm. thematically relevant, is that it should have been a little more scrappy than it was, because I was, even, even Winter's par shot mastermind, <laughs> duck rolling through rooms and shooting zombies in the head. It just, it, it felt like it could have been a little... Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, on the on the third day of streaming, Glory came to me. Uh, what what was it? Met- <laughs> one Metroid video. Two could have been stingier. Three tension and atmosphere so much more effective than scripted scares. Um, no, God. I'm beginning to regret this bit, but we've committed now. We're in we can stop any time. <laughs> no, no, you know that we can't. <laughs> Our audience doesn't have brain orbs. <laughs> You don't know that. Nah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. We could be the the brainworm support group at this point for all yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. Brainworms out and proud. <laughs> anyway, uh, third point. This one kind of comes with equal praise and equal criticism. It's a shame that the scripted scares they used in this game were so ineffective because everything else is fucking dreadful and terrifying. <laughs> Mm. Uh, the atmosphere and the tension from just working through this was exhausting and and really kept me going and just like even standard rooms I was like jumping just at the idea that something would happen mm-hmm. like uh, you having to walk past granny in that part where it's like she doesn't <laughs> jump up at you but you might yeah exactly exactly There's, there was a certain point where I knew like okay granny's never going to do something you know and at that point I was greeting her congenially but that was like the fourth time we'd met <laughs> <laughs> and by that point, we had a pattern, a well doctored, uh, a well uh, sort of made out pattern. But um, yeah, I, I felt like, especially towards the latter end of the game, all the scripted scares that came about, well, some were like good for the narrative. Uh, it was each time one of them sort of made itself known. That was my cue to finally breathe out and relax because the mm. game was taking the reins. <laughs> well, that's the, it's the tension release cycle, isn't it? Yeah, but it really shouldn't come when they're trying to, to burst it, you know, like the, where they're trying to heighten it, which is what they, mm-hmm. they are trying to do in these moments. And I feel like, especially we got uh, as the game goes on, there's a little bit of spooky little gar- girl horror in it. And uh, oh yeah, there's like there's like a there's like a ghost, there's like a ghost girl, yeah, something like that. And uh, and uh, I, I have to say, I found her dreadfully ineffective. Not mm. uncool, I should add. I did find the segments with that pretty great. Uh, and as as how it ties into the whole thing, I thought that was some of the most fun story elements the the game gets into. But in terms of spooks. <laughs> I, I found it kind of embarrassing. <laughs> oh, sp- 
spooky little ghost girl. We haven't seen that one before, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's kind of like, oh, I'm here. So th- th- to be fair, it lessens as it goes on, like knowingly, like we're going to stop trying to scare you with the little girl. And then, at that point, you're like, all right, cool. All right, number four. Song's over. No. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> okay, here's the here's the midpoint. Four's, four's the midpoint in, in, in my stray thoughts. And here's where I want to make a neutral commentary on my own streaming. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Um, I'm really first off. I'm really, really grateful to everybody who tuned in and who who might be listening in on this. We did get a lot of people come back, especially Harry, who stuck with me through basically the entirety of it. So thanks, Harry. Shout out to Harry for being your most dedicated listener and <laughs> yeah. viewer. I, yeah, exactly. even more so than me, your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Truly uh, indispensable <laughs> in all this. It was interesting playing this horror game, uh, and uh, I've got some sort of good news that came out of it and some sort of uh, middling decision to make from it. I found that playing the horror game streaming was absolutely necessary. I felt like the social aspect of it not only engaged me with the thing that I was dealing with, but it actually kept mm-hmm. me pressing on and, and uh, invested in being scared and the atmosphere and also oh, let me lower yeah. my guard enough to be scared more often and not just mm-hmm. cautiously walk into things. Like, I was, at times, genuinely jittering playing this. And, you know, there's there's every opportunity when you're playing these alone just to, to, to pause and step away. Mm-hmm. That being chained to an audience kind of thing, that, that the commitment of you're doing this for entertainment's sake was the necessary incentive required to get there's me like a, to beat yeah. something like this. <laughs> There's an impetus to continue where otherwise your main instinct would be to stay in a quote-unquote safe area and gather your courage before venturing forth, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm really grateful for the experience, and I'm also very positive about it in terms of doing other horror games that way. I But at the end of RE7, I also started talking about, like, what would I do next? Uh, And it's still sort of spooky season, so I had the idea of, like, I'll play another horror game, and I might have mentioned... I was looking into Alien Isolation. Mm. But I feel like as I came to the end of it, the long-form horror games, they're a little too... They're too much of a commitment to do back-to-back, I have to say. I feel like Uh I I was midway through this. I was was pretty pumped at the idea of, like, and once I get through this, I'll burst onto Alien Isolation and take another one from the box of of games I've pussied out on in, in an earlier life. Uh, mm-hmm. But now I'm I, I'm a little more hesitant about the thing. I think that, and I think one of the reasons is because, <laughs> like reviewing the the streams themselves, I'm just not like an outwardly emotive guy in terms of scares. I was freaking yeah. out internally the entire time, but when you're looking at the stream, I'm like, oh, that's scary. Yeah, so oh, you're like me. That's, you're, that's you're, bad. <laughs> your 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 idea of like being scared is to like you know. Get a bit sweaty and a little wide-eyed, and that's about it. Yeah, g- giggle to yourself for relief, that kind of thing. You know, like, <laughs> like ah, that was scary. And then like, move uh, you're, on, you're dead-eyed. The... <laughs> yeah, you're the the sort of, like, tensely gripping your seat whilst, like, unblinking for about 20 minutes at a time sort of thing. But you're, you're, you're no, uh, you know, face cam in the corner, PewDiePie yeah. screaming. Certainly like, uh, not. Nah, see, that's the thing. 
I mean, I'm sure you got jump scared a few times, though. I did, I did. Uh, but that's what I mean. Even in those moments, I felt they were sort of comparative to my peers, I guess, in the field. I looked rather dreadfully on a motive. And uh, mm. I, while I still think it's, I want to use the platform now and then to to play those longer form games and sort of make progress in this genre that I've kind of let by the, by the fucking street side for so long that I'm going to have to sort of co-opt it at times just to to tick long unticked boxes i i think it's it's woefully bad entertainment to go back to back on these things when i i'm so poor a host of them (laughs) so what were you thinking were you thinking like uh take a spooky break from the horror or more like along the lines of like uh finding a one and done good for one stream but that's about it spooky story that sort of thing three three diversion decisions i made here um, mm-hmm. one, I'm definitely going to, as I said, I'm going to definitely do these longer form games, but I'm going to pad them out throughout years. So, uh, maybe say like January or something, we'll do a Silent Hill or something, something that's going to take eight to 10 hours, maybe 20, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing needs to be sort of months apart because we need to, in my head, I, I just don't think they're strong enough entertainment to, to form the crux of, of this whole entire month's worth of streaming. Uh, mm-hmm. And having contributed one big long game already, I feel like, okay, did my part. But that's not to say we won't do creepy stuff. Like you said, more closer to one and done things. There are a lot shorter games that are scary to be played. And one that uh, Colin, who was on the stream, suggested to me uh, was Outlast long dormant in my in my list of games that I pussied out on and then blamed <laughs> for being a bad game. Uh, oh, oh, jeez, Lee. Yeah. I, how, how much it gladdens to hear that confession. <laughs> you and I, the, the, the listener isn't privy to this, but you and I have had hour and hours and hours of discussion of me basically giving you the third degree and why you didn't like that game yeah. under the suspicion that it was, eh, maybe he's a bit too scared, and he's just trying to make up reasons. And but I'll I'll hear him out. I'll hear him out, and never being quite convinced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And me, <laughs> and me, eventually taking your word for it and going, well, I get, you know, I guess he just didn't like the story or whatever. And to hear you finally confess, it gladdens the heart. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, it is true. Pussying out was a major factor in why I didn't like Outlast the first time I played it. <laughs> I, but I also feel like I was a bit harder to please at the time, or a little more mm-hmm. uh, conservative, let's say, in terms of games being worth my time. And I felt like the intro to Outlast was was dreadfully ineffective in terms of mm-hmm. engaging you with the with the story and the character you're supposed to be playing. And I still hold by mm-hmm. that criticism. But was it a strong mm-hmm. enough criticism to not give the game its fair shake? No, no, you were right on that count. And I, now that I feel like there's a platform that can actively hold hold my hand to the fucking the rod or whatever it is. Uh, hold your feet to the fire? That's the one. <laughs> that's the actual saying. Hold my hand to the rod. Hold your hands with the rod. That that may be something else. I'm, I suspect uh, <laughs> a Freudian slip. Yeah, maybe. Now that now that I have something that can actively force me to play this, I think also with Outlast being uh, a far shorter game at five hours, roughly to beat on on how long to beat. Uh, that sounds like maybe can be done in one very long stream. 
and and so I'm actually kind of interested in giving that a shot, and I might do that this month um, to to kind of uphold the, the full horror thing in in relation to spooky season. But my mm-hmm. third initiative here is long now neglected and still lacking in an update. This episode is fucking Dark Souls is creepy oh. enough for spooky season. It's not scary, but it's a, it's. I wouldn't even really say it's creepy, but it is a a, a, a dark horror influenced game. Dark fantasy is the go to phrase for these things. Yeah, yeah, and I think that fits the bill enough. I think that will be a, a sort of sizable and enjoyable thing to stream that I've already done mm-hmm. once in uh, in terms of streaming and really enjoyed. And uh, you know, if if nothing else, I've got buckets full of like horror recommendations that are only like two hours long. Yeah. Great. That are good for dipping your toe in, and that's about it. Perfect. Yeah, so we can always make up on the back back lot on that. But thanks, RE7, for realizing what does and doesn't constitute as good good entertainment for the stream. <laughs> All right, um, swiftly moving on, we're going into praise of Resident Evil 7 now, point five. Fucking puzzle and horror games is so fucking effective. Puzzles? And that, like, what, yet they have to make you turn your back to a hallway while you're solving a puzzle and you never know what's going to creep up behind yeah, you, that's More just, like, I mean, like, sort of having to work out what key fits in what hole, having to, you know, piece objects, it's just Resident Evil stuff, you know, piece objects together mm-hmm. to form new objects while there's a, there's a spooky shadow hovering and, and scratching noises kind of forcing you to think, should I be standing still for any real length of time or should I get the fuck out of here and... And, uh, and try to figure this out on the on the on the run. I loved that Resident Evil Seven, and probably a lot of the older Resident Evils, they kind of break you down to their pace uh, because you can't just brute force an environment where, where the the way forward is is not clear cut. It's a bit cryptic, a bit hidden, mm-hmm. uh, kind of tucked away. Uh, and I really like that. It's something I really enjoyed in, in the time I played uh, Amnesia with you. Is that you? You can't really rush it. <laughs> You know, you kind of have no. to sit sit and think. And part of the scare, the horror of it all comes from having to sit and think when there's something on your back. <laughs> yeah, there are. And I'm easy in particular. There's a lot of scripted, not jump scares, but they're like scripted <clears throat> mood setters, yeah. I suppose. And, uh, you know, if I know them all off by heart at this point. I've seen them so many times. So, like, you know... And I, I'm always trying to act as like a facilitator of, of, of the horror. I'm the, the crypt keeper, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, if, I, if I'm sitting next to you and uh, you you like walk past a scripted mood setter with like your camera facing the other way, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're missing it. You're missing being mm-hmm. scared. Don't you know that these people did like so many playtests and studies just to maximize the amount? Uh, no. <laughs> Set it aside, Lawrence. Pack it in. Because, like, because, like, the, the the worst thing in the world would be for me to go. Did you hear that? What would, what would <laughs> oh, that have been? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, that that'd be even worse. So, <laughs> what, Lawrence? Was it yeah, a scary thing? Was there a spooky piano playing in the other room? What could that be? Could it be a ghost, perchance? <laughs> Ooh, just like pull you along by the ear, like, nah, that's no way to do things. That's no way to experience a game. So I just have to sit there and let you do it organically, <laughs> which is why I prefer the vods, to be honest. Because, well, I mean, I wouldn't say I prefer them. I do like being present so that I can, you know get my quips in mm, i can you know crack wise every once in a while <laughs> but uh the, vo- the, vo- the vods are good i think in the horror sense because it means that i'm not there to 
helicopter <laughs> co-host, I suppose. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, all right, point six. I I just wanted to give a shout out to Resident Evil Seven stepping away from the Resident Evil canon because I, by the canon's omission and by the coy glances backwards at uh, at the established uh, routine of of the Resident Evil games and little bits and pieces of name drops and so on that that actively made me more interested in the Resident Evil series than I've ever been. <laughs> mm-hmm. See. That's how you do it. You you dial the scope back to a more intimate personal scope. Uh, that you know, if, if you're seeing that world from the ground floor, everything seems a bit more interesting and a bit more immersive. Definitely, definitely. It's hard to get invested when it's like six and like <laughs> we need to save the world like every single fucking day. It's like uh, you know, th- there's no sense of the stakes. Yeah, well, the you know, the stakes are so absurdly high. <laughs> They're not relatable. They're not hashtag relatable. Where it's like, uh, hey, this small part of the backstory, or like, is like, hey, thousands of people have just died from some horrific thing, and it's just like, well, you know, it's just how it is in this bitch of an earth, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, thumbs up on that. Finally, number seven, uh, and it must be said. The absolute elation in beating a horror game is second to none. Mm, you've uh, you've conquered your fears, Lee. Yes. Oh my god! I like I could have fucking cried on stream if I weren't such an emotionless husk. <laughs> You're a man now, son. <laughs> Literally, for the I almost missed the 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 final title drop because I had my head in my hands with the relief of the final cutscene, and I just. Just washing, basking in the accomplishment of it is just really like the twin factors of good pacing and absolute exhaustion gel together to make relief in getting out of all of it so much more rewarding, and that's it, it's it's worked perfectly well in in readying me for another horror game where, in 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 a way that um, say Resident Evil Four didn't. Resident Evil 4 has got that action diehard catharsis where I'm like, yes, feed me more popcorn. I'm ready for more popcorn. And there are no games like Resident Evil 4. (laughs) Resident Evil 7, on the other hand, is a midpoint between a million other types of horror games. And that makes me excited to look at where it all convalesced into this beast and sort of tear it apart and work backwards a little bit. And I have to say, that's a pretty fucking good feeling to be left with. You have an an appetite now, eh? And it hungers for more. For more spooks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there you go. That's my week. Well, lead us into the news, shall you? Uh, yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, 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 The news. Pretty good. Pretty effect, pretty dramatic, very uh, very spooky. Hmm. Oh, well, is this another one of those weeks that's a dearth of uh information? I've only got a few things. Yeah, I've only got a few. Not sure what the mileage is, but hey, that's why we save the news for last now. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. All right, I'll lead. Um. <laughs> well, this this week uh, marks the passing of star of Guitar Hero Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen. Worth noting. Oh, dude. Yeah. Boy, am I out of the loop. Wow, you didn't know Eddie Van Halen died this week? No. Whoa. <laughs> Felt like it was everywhere. Uh, yeah, so I, I really only brought it up to remind people that Guitar Hero Van Halen exists. 
in a in a mm-hmm. weird bubble of time where single bonds were giving uh were given like their own guitar hero uh, spin-off which uh, not not uncoincidentally happened just before the complete and utter fall of Guitar Hero from Grace entirely. <laughs> well, they dipped their toes in the water with Van Halen and Aerosmith very early on. Mm. The ones that were closer to the absolute collapse were the Beatles and Green Day, who got a rock band game each. Ugh, I didn't even know that. I know the Beatles got one, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah. So those two, those those two rock band games, that must have been a year or two out from the absolute death of the genre. Whereas Van Halen and Aerosmith, oh, and Metallica, uh, those three bands in the Guitar Hero line, that was kind of closer to Guitar Hero 3. It was kind of near the peak of the genre. Uh, mm. And then the subsequent qua- crash came maybe just over a year after Guitar Hero 3. <laughs> rock Band got some mileage, and then... Uh, and then by Rock Band 2, it was all it was already over. No, that... They, uh, they transitioned to the live service approach, which uh, ordinarily I denigrate, but honestly for that game I feel was like the smartest thing. To oh do. yeah, I mean, I have a really good backlog of uh, Rock Band 2 tracks that uh, that makes that game stand the test of time because I never needed to buy another one, but yeah, also killed the genre dead. Because <laughs> like, what do we go from here? Mm, I, I don't know, just... Keep doing this, I, I suppose. I did pick up Guitar Hero Live, though, if you've heard of that one. Is that the most recent one? Y- yes, I, I dare say. It's when they redesigned the guitar a little bit to have, instead of five colored buttons, two way- two uh, tiers of three. Oh, okay. So well, that- I mean, I- I'm not opposed to it getting more complex because, you know, it was a bit stagnant once you at, at that point the difficulty was just making you go faster yeah yeah it and it was a good it was a good kick in the ass to get better at some uh, some hand gestures that were at least a little bit more relevant to guitar playing <laughs> but all but also it suffered from having potentially the worst set list i've ever played in <laughs> any of these games it's possible for uh, maybe it's time for Rock Band to come back now that we've entered the age of VR. Well, Rock Band did come back for Rock Band Four only just the other year. Nobody <laughs> to the attention of absolutely no one. Apparently, they're still updating it and everything. Uh, oh. I just no one, no one talks about it. I don't know who plays it. Maybe it's on Twitch. <laughs> maybe people play it on Twitch and they get content ID'd every time they play it. No, see, that's the thing. That it would run into the same problem that um, the latest Tony Hawk game is, where everyone's delighted, everyone's super happy to see it back. You know, the soundtrack is one of the most important things in that game. Under no circumstances are you allowed to stream it because you will be shit canned immediately. That's a real shame. It is a shame. That's one that Tony Hawk actually uh, acknowledged. He said, like people, he just shrugged and went. You know, shit sucks, not much you can do about it. Better to make a good game than a good streaming experience. (laughs) You can play it without music, which is just unsettling. It's, 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 it's eerie. (laughs) It's like a, it feels like a, like a creepypasta, like a, you know, (laughs) oh, I stumbled upon this haunted disc. Uh, It doesn't have any music. And if you go into this certain part of the map, like uh, there's this creepy character model that follows you around, that sort of thing. That's what it feels like. (laughs) Alright, so uh, once again, we have hit upon another foible of the format, which is, yes, we have decided that the week will come before the news. But now that we both make contributions to the news, it's like, so what, do we take it in turns? 
do you do all of yours and then I do all of mine and I just delete off the ones that were that where they overlap? What's the methodology, uh, uh, Lee? Oh, that's, you're a- actually asking me instead of making like a, de- a declaration here and now. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's go one after the other. Sure, if you, I mean, if you just if you delete something I have, then what what's the harm? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm going I'm going to immediately cheat and go for a twofer here. Okay. Uh, Riot Games closes down its Australian office, which I don't consider to be a particularly discussion worthy news story sure there's no there's not a lot of bounce to be had oh job loss woo the guest character the latest guest character announced for mortal kombat 11 is rambo (laughs) yeah i've seen this yes it felt very strange voiced by sylvester stallone himself hilariously you watch the uh, the reveal trailer where they've got like this Tarkatan running away, being chased by someone, and you know, they introduce like legacy character, what is it, Rain or something, and Melina is back, and I guess that's pretty cool. But then like they're like, okay, but who's the guest character going to be? And I was so convinced for most of the trailer that I was like, oh, did they just bring Predator back? Is it Predator again? Because yeah, I was getting a real Predator energy, you know, being chased through the jungle. There's yeah. traps, mm-hmm. things like that, and then Rambo turned up, and I went, oh. It's Rambo. Okay. Rambo. Hello. Yes, it's man with gun. <laughs> this isn't the first time that uh, Mortal Kombat has tried to push man with gun has legitimate character. There was a striker from MK9. Do you remember striker? Uh, I, I feel like I would if I look at He up. was policeman with stun uh, baton no, and gun. I mean, he's 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 a he's an old hand. A, a character that has only aged more gracefully as time has went by. <laughs> with his uh, with his shtick seemed to be, oh, he's a cop, but he's like police brutality, and you're like, oh yeah, hmm, mm. <laughs> okay, that goes over well in this day and age. But uh, no, we've got a uh, we've got the polar opposite of that. It seems ideologically, we've got Rambo, whose main movie is. PTSD from Vietnam War gets treated really poorly by the system. And then he beats up a shit ton of cops and catches them in a bunch of traps and then cries at the end and has a big speech. Oh yeah, I want some of that for my Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I'm feigning ignorance here, of course. Uh, the Rambo here is most likely the one from the sequels where all of that political yeah, stuff was cut out for expedience sake. Except for Rambo 3. I know one thing about Rambo 3, and it's incredibly funny, and I want it to be represented in this game, and it is the final frame of that movie, which is dedicated to all those brave Mujahideen fighters out there fighting for freedom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Speaking of things that have aged well, because like, ooh, that was a product of the 80s, huh? Oof. <laughs> yeah, Wow. <laughs> if Rambo wins every single Mortal Kombat game, I want his ending animation to disappear off into the distance and fade away to the subtitle. <laughs> oh, yeah. This goes out to all those brave Mujahideen <laughs> fighters, fi- freedom fighters fighting for liberty and justice. That would be fucking amazing. Oh no, they edited it in most recent versions of the movie. That's so sad. Oh, They've no. just. Ca- They've changed it too. This film is dedicated to the gallant people of Afghanistan. So it's not even as funny anymore. What a shame. Oh my god. (laughs) The DLC of Mortal Kombat does just exactly this one trick, which is, I recognize that and therefore I'll play this game. Each time it does pique my interest, I'm like, I would like to play a game as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in in Mortal Kombat or as Predator or as Leatherface, I guess, or the fucking Xenomorph. 
That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Except I suck at fucking Mortal Kombat, and I know the moment I pick this up, I'll regret it. I, I appreciate that Mortal Kombat knows that it is very much a product of the 90s, and has insisted on staying true to its roots throughout the entirety of its tenure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not bullshitting anybody. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's charming, almost. Whenever they aren't crunching their workers, obligatory uh, bummer. Boom, 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 yeah, boom. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Got to get that in there. Got to get it in. Absolutely. All right. Uh, elsewhere in news, uh, an update on PS Five uh, this week is that uh, mm-hmm. it's it's getting ninety nine percent of its backwards compatibility, and from the looks of it, straight off the bat, so a bunch of the news stories we had before aren't relevant in terms of it's only going to be a handful of games. It looks well, like that's it's going excellent to be news. All the games. In fact, there is a list of the games that won't be making. I know. Game. Shout out to shout out to all the fans of uh, Afro Samurai Two, Kuno's Revenge, <laughs> yeah. whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> exactly. Which I have seen footage of, and it is an abysmal game. So nothing of value has been lost here. Yeah, and and uh, shout out to whoever designed Hitman Go, the definitive edition for PlayStation Four, because it ain't making it across. Boohoo. <laughs> No, Still. it didn't make it. So that's just, this is really good news. That's that's really good news. That's a significant blow against the PS5. Undone. Uh, do you, do do you feel as though this is egg on your face after your your diatribe against the PS5? Oh no no no! My my diatribe was against most of the other anti-consumer stuff. That was one element of it, but I'm still pissed off about the controller thing. I think mo- mm. most personally to me, the controller thing means I'm spending an absurd amount of money to get this fucking console to a point where I can play it the way I would play my PlayStation 4. So, and and, and just just for the same, just for a, a, an architecture that I'm already ingratiated in, I just find that extra frustrating. So, uh, no, it, it, what it does do is confirm in my head that this is certainly a possibility, like I've recently kind of been saying, that I'm not against getting the PlayStation 5 like three four years down the line mm, it'll make it'll make a, a nice replacement for my ps3 because um boy is that thing showing its age yeah I, yeah it's 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 the i mean it's the original ps3 i've had it ever ooh, since it came out fat boy yeah i mean all i've had to do is change the, the 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 handle a couple of times and change the broom head a couple of times but it's more or less the same <laughs> playstation you know no before we stray too far from the ps5 no i don't have a source on this so you know could be citationated, could be completely made up, but uh, some people in Japan have been already given access to the PS5. That's right. And uh, I heard through the grapevine that uh, Sony have only gone done it. They've done it. They have universalized. They have standardized that X is the confirm button and that circle is the back button. <gasps> that's big. That's I a know. big deal. That's it is. It is. I mean. Uh, I mean. It's. I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, it's a good thing, broadly speaking, because, you know, standardization of these things is great. Uh, but, uh, I, ha- I and, you know, for us, it's a good thing because we no longer have to worry about playing Metal Gear Solid games <laughs> and having to, like, you know, getting mixed up. It's like, ah, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. And, you know, just about any game from Japan that wasn't completely localized mm. or, like, you know, that one part was missed in compliance. But uh, still, I have to... I confess, I do feel some sympathy for our Japanese brethren. Yeah, I know that if I was a Japanese player, I would be not happy about this news at all. Just another concession to the imperialist West. Yeah, and it's 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 extra annoying for Japanese uh, 
gamers, I, I'm sure, because every other controller in that region has it set up the other way. Like, where the circle button on the PlayStation controller is, is where the A button is for Nintendo consoles, for Xbox consoles. Mm, yeah. You know, like, every other console, that's where you put the OK button. But now they've swapped it around for Sony games, seemingly for no other reason than uniformity to a region that it, the console doesn't even come from. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Them bloody Westerners, honestly. Uh, other news I have. Uh, did you ever hear about the Amazon Studios game Crucible? Their, their attempt... I'm glad... I, I, yes, I did, and I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> their attempt at making... Well, it was like an MMO, wasn't it? Or no, it was a, it, it was a multiplayer shooter game, wasn't it? It was, it was a Destiny knockoff. It was like, it lo- like, from what I've seen of it, it appeared to be the most focus group tested, <laughs> yeah. uh, analytically driven, like, Destiny Anthem Warframe, like, derivative. Yep. Well, the news is that they, you know, they pulled it off off sale essentially to sort of tinker with it and and reevaluate. Oh, is that it. what it was? No, no, that was what they did a couple of weeks ago. Now it's it's they've just announced they've straight up cancelled it. It's never coming back. Yeah, it's it's been shit canned because uh, it was never going to go anywhere. It was a cynical cash grab to begin with, and all the people who would have played it are already have already settled into their given looter shooter live service niches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and uh, Amazon's foray into the gaming uh, ecosystem is, at least for now, doomed to failure. By the way, Lee, are you looking forward to the Amazon Luna? I, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, Jesus, no. <laughs> I forgot all about this thing that was happening. Their cloud-based computing service, which is supposed to be taking off this month in order what? to, quote-unquote, compete with Google Stadia. Whoa. Competing in the same sense that, you know, people in a retirement home are racing to die. <laughs> it's a race to death. That's what this is. Because, you know, Amazon looked at Google Stadia, you know, Google, the tech giant with unlimited resources who still couldn't do it properly, and then, like, a retail and logistics company thought, hmm, we will do a better job. Let us give it a try. Uh, I, I have heard more positive news about cloud gaming lately in terms of its nicheness, but success as a niche. And then I've also heard equal, you know, scathing remarks about the fact that once you you buy into this fucking nightmare uh you also don't actually it's not like a subscription model you're actually paying for games that are tied to an imaginary world which you could disappear at any day and you're paying full game prices which is straight up madness uh i want i I want to see for the luna this the the same do you remember the video for when the Stadia first came out and people were dumping on it? There was the what I consider to be the smoking gun for this thing, which was footage of someone playing a game on Stadia. They were at their keyboard, they hit space, and then a second later their character jumped, and you're like, that's all I needed to see. <laughs> I want to see the same thing for Luna. I just want to hit them, hit that space bar, and I want to count the beats until that jump happens. Oh boy. Uh, Amazon, on the other hand, though, are doing relatively well with their other game by the same developers as The Crucible called uh, it's, uh, New World. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. This is the first I've heard of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a traditional fantasy MMO RPG. By watching it, it kind of works uh, in squads. It reminded me, looking at it, of the Elder Scrolls Online, just in sort of just its general scope. 
and and fives. Uh, it's it's gotten a decent following on Twitch and on live streaming platforms. It seemed to picked up. They and uh, in their announcement about the, the end of Crucible, they basically said we're doing it because we're not making. There's no chance we're ever going to make money on that piece of shit. Uh, but you know, New World is doing pretty well, so we're gonna pump all our staff into that and hope for the best in a sort of Epic Games save what remains of Fortnite, forget all the other crap kind of move. <laughs> uh, that's not working out for Epic Games either. Well, from from what I know of how that court case is going, like the, it has not been going well for Epic. The judge has just been completely no selling them. Like I guess they anticipated that they would be able to make some kind of emotional argument because the judge wouldn't know very much about like the actual tech ecosystem or whatever and it's about their for lack of a better word right to continue to operate on apple's walled garden when they very clearly and deliberately broke the terms of service from their own personal gain and the judge continually keeps going yeah but you knew what you were doing and it didn't work did you think i was just gonna let you get away with it and they're like oh no i'll change it all for you Thanks, Epic, for painting the picture so well and telling me about the the poor puppy who couldn't sail on the Apple Store that day. <laughs> like they had a um, they had a marketing campaign with pre-rendered cutscenes and like a hashtag ready for, like a day after it happened. Yeah, yeah, Unse- unseemly is what it was. Uh, also related to the Apple news as well. Did you hear about um, Xbox Game Pass and iPhones? Uh, no. Uh, so there was news, uh, I, I believe it was Phil Spector. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, it was announced that they essentially were all but officially announced that uh, Xbox Game Pass will be coming to iOS uh, next year. And how they're going to do it is have people do it via browser, <laughs> not worry about the App Store. They're just going to have a whole client set up in the browser that is going to work for iPhones and they're not going to worry about having you install an app and that's how they're going to get around the whole thing rather than take them to court and try to open it up they're just going to they're going to go on the internet where they can't be stopped uh, I'll be honest like I feel like the gulf between me and the Xbox ecosystem has only grown ever more like vast over the last couple of years to such an extent that I'm like the, I I can't even tell you what the the Xbox game pass is other than it's got lots of games on it and it's free and it's on a bunch of platforms no, it's not that's free. <laughs> like the extent of, the, it's not sorry no the the games are free but the service is not sure. like it's like a it's like a ps plus kind of thing yeah 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 that's pretty much that's it. the extent of, also did you say phil specter spencer i, I hope maybe i did say yeah, spencer. It, it, <laughs> no, it, it, it's phil spencer i feel like phil specter is his spooky twitter october handle <laughs> Phil Spector, isn't he the the murderer? Phil Spector? I don't know if that's a person or not. He's uh, no, he's is he the murderer or is he the 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 fifth beetle? That's Pete Best, wouldn't it? You're right, but he is sorry. He is related to the Beatles. He was the producer the of ah. the album "Let It Be" and uh, and the solo careers of John Lennon and George Harrison. Uh, ah, okay. So yeah, that's 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 who Phil Spector is, and vocalist of the Teddy Bears, and not a mur. No, oh, 2003 to present murder conviction. Let me see. Maybe these these two people I've separated in my head are the same people. <laughs> is there a is Phil Spector in jail? Dot com. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs>
Because uh, there's one for DMX, and I think there was one for Wesley Snipes as well. I love these things. I love that is DMX. And pr- Actually, you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. Um, there's not one for Phil Spector. Uh, ah, what a shame. <laughs> what right, a so, shame. Is DMX in jail.com? DMX is not in jail. Uh, Hooray. Yeah, Let's see. As of the first, as of the 25th of January, 2019, he's a free man. Well, well. Good on you. Good on you, DMX. All right. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to read out. I know this is way off uh, gaming website, gaming podcast vector man. Uh, standard fare, but I'm going to read the Wikipedia about the murder conviction of Phil Spector. <laughs> On February 3rd, 2003, Lan- actress Lana Clarkson was killed in Spector's mansion. Her body was found mm-hmm. slumped in a chair with a single gunshot wound to her mouth with broken teeth scattered over the carpet. Spector told Esquire in 2003 that Clarkson's death was an accidental suicide and that she kissed the gun. The emergency call from Spector's home, made by Spector's driver, Quote Spectre is saying, I think I've killed someone. D'Souza, the, the driver, added that he saw Spectre come out of the back door of the house with a gun in his hand. Uh, he uh, avoided jail for a bit, it looks. Mistrial, hung jury, uh, blah, blah, and, and, and retrial of Spectre for murder in the second degree happened in 2008. Introducing Vector Man, the true crime cubbyhole. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and eventually... In 2009, on April 13th, the jury returned a guilty verdict. Uh, he was found guilty of using a firearm in the commission of a crime, which had four years to the sentence. He was immediately taken into custody and on two, May 29th, 2009, was sentenced to 19 years to life in California prison system. Uh, and there he is, an inmate still. He's eligible for parole in 2025, but the dude is 80 years old. So, well, actually, I mean, yeah, he could survive to 85, I suppose. But, uh, hey, there you go. Phil Spector, not related to Xbox. I've uh, went from knowing nothing about this guy to knowing so many things. So too much, too many things. I just, for some reason in my head, I just assumed that the Phil Spector who was related to the Beatles was not the same as the Phil Spector, the guy who was convicted as a murderer. And, uh, well, there you go. They are not different. and They are about the same. <laughs> <laughs> Does this count as the usual downbeat sort of twist that Vector Man counts, or is this just I, I, actually interesting trivia? I mean, there are a million. This might actually make the saliability of our podcast increase. <laughs> well, it's certainly trivia. <laughs> uh, did you see the trailer for the BBC's The Watch? Uh, n- no, I haven't. It is the TV show adaption of the Night Watch novels part of the Discworld setting by Sir the great the late great Sir Terry Pratchett. Mm. Now uh you're probably not very invested in these, but uh I'm quite I've I haven't read a lot of them, but I've read a fair amount of Discworld novels and I have to say I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rumored this has been rumored for some time in the grapevine that there is a TV adaption of uh, the Night Watch novels coming. And uh but I just assumed it was never going to happen. It was in development hell. Now I, I've watched the trailer. Mm. Uh, you might want to watch the trailer yourself right now, to yeah. get a grand. I feel like my thoughts on this are best summed up uh, by Rihanna Pratchett herself, <laughs> uh, the daughter of Terry, who is a fellow writer, who has sort of been acting as the uh, the guardian of the property, who was not part of the... who was going to be, but was later 
broke away from the project, who said, uh, I think it's fairly obvious that the watch shares no DNA with my father's watch. This is neither criticism nor support. It is what it is. <laughs> which, can't help but hear uh, it as criticism. <laughs> which is, uh, more or less my opinion of it, which is, this ain't the watch. This ain't my night watch. This is something else. I mean, it might be good, I, uh, you know, I, but uh, it, it ain't the watch. I, I, I briefly went over to the Wikipedia for the watch TV series to find that in the little info box on the right-hand side, it uh, it says, created by not Terry Pratchett, nuh-uh. <laughs> so, somebody's having fun <laughs> about this. The, the, the nerds are getting in. Before uh, before the Wikipedia mods have time to to wrestle control and lock the page, people are getting their jollies in. This is following up. I mean, last year I started watching the adaptation of fantasy books near and dear to my heart, His Dark Materials, also handled by mm-hmm. BBC America, and uh, gotta say, not super loving it. <laughs> my one hope and takeaway from the His Dark Material handling, which I hope might be the same case here, is that it gets people interested in the books. Uh, from whatever age that they end up seeing the watch, you know, it gets mm-hmm. it gets a lot of people to check it out and then realize, you know, not everybody's going to like what they see that they're going to find it too removed from what they what got them invested in the first place. But there are going to be more people who would never have found it who would enjoy the books for its uh, exposure here. And uh, that I, I I'm I'm attempting to take sort of comfort in that and hopefully knowing that it's never going to really uh, supersede the originals in in uh, the sort of public consciousness. Yes, I suppose so. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who like the TV show The Watch and they're fair to that. Maybe it will be good. Who will read the books and go, what the fuck is this shit? Because, <laughs> like, they're expecting some kind of, like, punk rock kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. anti-establishment, whatever the hell that thing's supposed to be with, you know, lots of... Lots of in-your-face jokes. Lots of relevant then, commentary uh, on, on current society, which I'm sure is not present in the fucking... I wouldn't be too book. sure of that. Discworld as, a, Discworld as a series is very good at holding up and examining tropes that are resplendent in the, the speculative fiction and fantasy genre, mm-hmm. and occasionally making a shrewd comparisons to modern life and things like that. About, uh, I mean, the watch is all about basically forming a an effective policing force in a city state, and uh, the you know y- you see that Vimes is talking to this lady in the TV show, who is ostensibly his boss. Mm. Uh, the book version of that character is a guy called Havelock Vedinari, who is very much intended to be a an examination of the works of Niccolo Machiavelli and how to effectively run a city or a kingdom. You know, a la the prince and things like that. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of crossed wires and people going, huh, this isn't what I signed up for. What on earth's going on here? You know, that sort of thing. Sure. A lot, even even the sense of humor in the books is a lot more, it's like, it's still funny, but like, it's sort of like a, a wry, witty humor, mm-hmm. which as opposed to the TV show for opting for a more American in your face kind of yes, humor. Here's a joke. Here's a pause and here's a joke. Feel relief. Mm-hmm. Here's a beat. Your brain is your brain is sated. Ah, well. All right, so uh, I foreshadowed earlier in this episode that uh, I had been giving games journals a bit, a lot of a lot of flack this episode and that I had something nice that reflected well on them later on. Well, here we go. IGN's review 
of FIFA 2021, oh. courtesy of <laughs> Simon Cardi for this year, is word for word the exact same as last year's. Seeing as how EA copy and pasted last year's FIFA on Switch again this year, once again saying it has the same gameplay without any new development or significant enhancements on its store page for the full price of 50 bucks or 45 quid, I've decided to do the same and copy and paste my review of FIFA 20 on Switch below as my review of FIFA 21. That's a power move, baby. Simon Cardi, you're in my good yeah, books. You're all right. Uh, I, I did uh, scan through the whole thing. Big dick energy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what two, two particular things I really liked about this. One is the score getting knocked down even further than the previous version, which was one of his amendments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the review for last time was pretty scathing to begin yeah, with. Yeah, and if you read it, it's it's pretty harsh. But uh, now the, the score's down to a 2, which is pretty fucking awful. Uh, that'll hurt the Metacritic bonuses this year for sure. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Second thing I really like is that he didn't even bother to update the references to the game title within the review itself. It all says FIFA 20, and I think that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, I mean, EA's open... Like, it basically said, oh, it's bringing you the same thing with no noteworthy improvements, which is, I thought was a shockingly honest thing for them to yeah, say. absolutely. Like, like don't, aren't they two sort way- of in uh, partnership with these companies? To hold them to task like a, occasionally just seems very un-IGN. It's probably the most open contempt that I've seen either of these companies show, like EA in particular. This seems like the most brazen, like, they were stopping just short of saying, so there you go, eat up piggies, oink, oink. <laughs> A games publication showed a they grew a pair and they they showed themselves to be more than simply an extension of the marketing department of a of a game publisher. So that's good. They they had some integrity and EA got their eye poked out in the process. So I'm happy. Lee's still gone. Our boy Lee is playing horror games. He's, they grew up so fast. Brings a tear to the eye. <sighs> ¶¶